Welcome, 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 my noble thespians and my everyday sluts. I'm your host, Dawn Westbrook, the biggest slut of them all. With my glass of Chardonnay, I hope you'll join me with a glass of something. And for the next few minutes, I'm going to introduce my new podcast, simply called ACT, where we're going to focus on the craft of acting, the art of directing, and embracing the process of this crazy career in the theater. I have some wonderful interviews lined up in the coming weeks, but first, tonight's show is being brought to you by the Martha Hill Newell Playwrights Fund, whose commitment is both to local and national playwrights, and holds the belief that the relevance and vitality of American theater depends on the continual infusion of new work. So if you'll indulge me, tonight's podcast is going to be a little different from the ones you're going to listen to in the coming weeks. I wanted to take this time to introduce myself and share with you what you can expect from our interviews. ACT is going to focus on conversations with actors working in the profession and ask them how they go about creating various characters, how they stay in the moment, what processes and methods do they use given a specific medium, whether it be a musical, comedy, classics, drama, whatever. We're also going to talk to directors and ask them how they analyze a script, how do they go about casting their productions, and work with actors since, geez, everyone's got different styles and methods. A good script, I've always felt, gives us everything we need. It's all right there in black and white. A good playwright tells the actor, and the director of course, how best to serve the play and how to bring to life the characters the audience is going to be watching for two hours as they sit in the theater. I've always felt that the challenge with any theatrical production is to create characters whose work becomes so seamless that the audience can't tell where the direction stops and the actor's work takes over. And then it's up to the actors on stage to give each other what they need and to also bring the director's vision to life. They need to give an honest voice to the playwright's words and entertain the audience. Acting is just reacting, but a lot of work has got to be done first so that the actor can truly live moment to moment each night on stage. I believe the creative process of breathing life into a production starts with the playwright's words and then becomes a part of the director's vision. And then that vision is where communication between the director and actor takes flight or crashes. And that, my friends, is what we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. Well, that's enough about the podcast. Let's talk about me. <laughs> I am a native of Richmond. And I got my BFA from Virginia Commonwealth University in 1985 in theater performance and directing. In 1988, I studied at London's Royal National Theater of Great Britain, where I met next week's guest. I was one of the lucky ones, you guys. I actually made a living for over 35 years in theater as both a performer and director. Now I'm in Richmond with my husband, Carl, who's an anesthesiologist, and my teenage daughter, Sydney. We have two dogs and a cat. Oh my gosh, I love myself a cute fuzzy terrier. And we have one female Irish terrier named Ginger and a little eight-month-old wired hair fox terrier named Bennington Boyd, or Benny, or little shit, depending on the moment. I just recently directed and closed a very successful run of Becca Brunstetter's The Cake at Richmond Triangle Players. They're a local theater whose mission is diversity and inclusion, and they're actually nationally recognized as one of the top theaters for works relating to LGBTQ productions. We closed on March 6th, 
just before the coronavirus pandemic. We got lucky, you guys. Other casts and theater companies were not. My heart hurts for those of you who had to close early or didn't even ever get the chance to open. My new normal changed like yours. Uh, we all adapted. Currently, my one-mile lap swim and hot yoga classes have turned into mm, four-mile walks, give or take, with the dog of my choice, daily meditations, and maybe an online body flow class. I am reading more, painting by numbers, and catching up on a lot of wonderful TV shows. Oh, and like all of you, baking a lot of bread. My hair looks like crap, and I learned how to do a quarantine-imposed acrylic nail dip. And I've been doing, or trying to do, the COVID clean-out, getting rid of things that we don't need. So, that's a little bit about me, but don't worry. This won't be an every-week occurrence. We'll just move straight to the interview. Now, let me give you my take on acting. We all know there are a myriad of acting techniques or methods. There's Stanislavski, with scene objectives to give us focus and intent on scenes, finding the fine line between the actor and character and making it rooted in reality. There's Strasbourg, where you find a realistic performance by using your past memories, even if they're tragic. Stella Adler, personal memories to create maybe three-dimensional characters. There's Michael Chekhov, an acting technique built on actor impulses and feelings and imagination. There's Meisner, repetition until it feels real. Uta Hagen, where substitutions became later known as transference. And my guess is there isn't one of you out there who hasn't played a Viola Spolin theater game at some point in your career. Am I right? <laughs> they all work. They're all reliable. All can get us, actors and directors, where we need or want to be. What I found for myself might not work for you, but throughout the years, I've found that really it's kind of a hodgepodge of all of them that I just listed that gets me where I want to live for my two or so hours on stage. Without a guest, I thought it might be fun to pose a question on the ACT Facebook homepage. I asked you, have you ever heard the saying that actors are the lowest on the totem pole? Do you believe that, yes or no? Why or why not? I heard from you, and this is what I got. From Dallas, Texas, David Denson wrote, Power in the theater is drawn from one's own proximity to money. Job title has little to do with it. Lane Satterfield from Richmond wrote, No, theater is a collective art. We all do our part to tell the story, and good directors, they just give actors a chance to bring their artistry to the game. Fred Iacova said, you know, I actually had someone say to me, you're an actor, you don't care if you make money. Whew, yikes. Ken Morietti replied, you know, since you really can't build a totem pole from the top down, if actors are perceived as the bottom, then by definition, they are the critical piece. Tony Cobb, who recently had a wonderful article in the May 4th edition of BroadwayWorld.com about his work with the African American Repertory Theater, I highly recommend you check it out. He wrote, the prevailing thought that actors are dispensable because of sheer numbers contributes to this belief, because there's always someone waiting in the wings to take your place. And Andrew Hamm from Richmond added to Tony's post by writing, oh yeah, 
Actors are the easiest to find and the most replaceable. Ouch. And from the hills of Radford, Virginia, Lucinda McDermott wrote, Anytime I see a posting for actors marked unpaid positions available, the art itself is devalued. Lowest on the totem pole equals devaluing an actor's worth. Do I think it's uh, universal? Probably 50-50. I unfortunately think that devaluing is still a majority, especially outside the major markets. And Joe Clark from Maysville, Kentucky wrote, you know, this may have no bearing on your question, but it reminds me of a story I once heard. At a late night production meeting, a director, set designer, costume designer, and a lighting designer were discussing whose job was the most important. The director said, obviously my job is the most important. You have to have someone with a vision to interpret the story and guide the creative process. And someone at the table said, yeah, well, what about improvisational theater where you make it up as you go along? No director needed. Then the set designer said, well, really, my job is probably the most important. You have to have an environment to perform. And the others at the table chimed in and said, well, what about our town where there is no set and the show is performed on an empty stage? Then the costume designer chimed in and said, okay, look, my job is the most important. Actors have to have clothes to help define their characters. The others at the table laughed and said, yeah, well, what about O Calcutta, where the show is done in the nude? Then the room went dark, and the lighting designer, who had shut off the lights, said, do your show now. <laughs> well, that's what you had to say. Thanks for your input. Check the ACT Facebook page for each week's question, and maybe your opinion will be included in a future podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts. So, in this time of COVID-19, I did some investigating on ways we can help the theater world during this pandemic. A good rule of thumb that my mama taught me was in helping others, you're in turn helping yourself. This week, let's try and not only think of ways we can help each other, but actually put those ideas into action. These are posted on the Facebook page for ACT, but just to name a few, we can donate to the Actors Fund and Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS or to the COVID-19 Emergency Assistance Fund. You can donate the amount you would have paid for a ticket to the theater of your choice or go ahead and just buy that season subscription in hopes that the theater will be open again and thriving in the fall. You can give to a smaller local theater or check out your local arts alliance groups they have ideas that are directly associated with helping local companies. Petition your representative for rent and bill relief. Many organizations are circulating a petition to encourage Congress to help displaced entertainment workers in the relief package. Well, I think that about does it for this podcast. I can't thank you enough for listening. Remember, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under ACT. Or you can visit my website at www.dawnwestbrook.com and feel free to ask questions, give suggestions, and feedback. But for now, as W.C. Fields once said, a man's got to believe in something. So, my noble artist and my everyday sluts, I do believe I shall have another drink. May the footlights burn bright and your actions both on stage and off be rewarding. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Dawn 